Welcome back to the Almost Shameless podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox. Thank you for joining me. I did not want to screw around this week. This was the week that the Patriots decided to take a stranglehold over the AFC, over the NFL, over national football conversation in general. So there was no way I could just talk about this by myself. You guys have heard enough of me on this team this season. I have decided to bring on my favorite Patriots guest, the only person I really trust these days to speak about the Patriots with me, (laughs) my friend, Mike DeBate. You know him as the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. He is also a writer for SI Patriots Maven. Thank you for joining me, Mike. Thank you for coming on. Oh, Tanya, thank you. It's always my honor, always my pleasure. Thank you so much for the kind words. And uh, it's my honor to be the only one that you trust these days to talk Patriots with. And you hit the nail right on the head. It's nice to be back in the realm of national prominence when it comes to the New England Patriots and how they're able to do business up here after starting the season two and four. Eight and four, we'll take it right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. It really is actually, it's crazy. And I, I mean it. I'm sure you've seen my Twitter feed these days. People are just, you know, I've angered many. Um, and so there are, you know, not, I have very many lovely colleagues in, in the biz, but I need someone who's just going to calm the hell down sometimes, you know, <laughs> just bring it. Cause I'm so high and you're so level and you're covering the team. You're right there. You bring a lot of good perspective, but you'll get in the muck with me when I need you to. So, you know, and there's very few people who will do, who can handle both sides of that. I certainly can't all the time. So I need that. I need the yin to the yang, you know? Well, it's my honor, again, to be the yin to the yang. That's a great way to put it. And, you know, I'm always here for you, just like you're always there for me. One of my favorite guests on Locked On Patriots. Anytime we share the microphone, whether it be here on Almost Shameless or on Locked On Patriots, always some of my favorite times, and it's a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Yes, I'm so excited. Well, thanks again, and we'll, we'll kick it off. stuff coming up. I want to get right into it. I'm going to go right off the bat. We're going to talk about Mac because he is Mm -hmm. the story of the season for the Patriots in a lot of ways. Uh, Obviously, whenever a rookie does this well, first of all, it's on, you know, it's really largely unprecedented for a rookie to be winning six games in a row at this Mm -hmm. point in the season. It's a huge deal. And so regardless of the team around the rookie, he plays the most important position in all of team sports. It is you cannot do anything in this league without a real quarterback, unless you get a little lucky, like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that Jared Goff Super Bowl will haunt us for a little while. But for the most part, <laughs> you got to have a quarterback playing at a high level in order to, you know, really make a playoff run. And, you know, we've talked about this. I talked about it early in the season. I was so skeptical of this team's ability to make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. That was not unprecedented. I'm not going to, I am not going to whip myself into shame right now for thinking such a thing. It's not a thing that happens very often. Mm. It is extremely rare for a rookie quarterback Mm. to make the playoffs, let alone to be a favorite to actually win a game at this point. So, Mm -hmm. but that's where the team is at. And there were a lot of reasons for that. They do in fact have the greatest head coach of all time as people have so kindly reminded themselves over the last few weeks apparently that was forgotten in all of the craziness last season but oh my gosh it turns out bill belichick knows what he's doing 
So my question to you is after this long little rant that I went on before you get to answer, um, what do you think we've, we know Max doing well, we know what he is. We know he's not, you know, he's not lighting up stat sheets. He's not throwing, making throws that we're all like drooling over, but he is efficient and he is every week. I think the biggest thing is that every week you see him improving on a little bit of his game. He's Mm -hmm. figuring out different things every single week, whether it's his accuracy downfield, figuring out when to throw downfield, the trust with the receivers, the trust with the offensive line, the rhythm of when they're instituting the run game versus when they're deciding to go a little more pass heavy. Mm -hmm. All of it is these little nuances. Which player on the offense at this point do you think is the biggest key to Mac continuing that upward trajectory every single week as the team goes forward. I know it's a whole team effort. I, I don't want to be Bill Belichick here. Which player would you key in on? Ooh, that's a good question right off the bat with the hot stuff, Tanya. I really appreciate that. Uh, honestly, uh, this is probably going to sound a little bit off the cuff here, or maybe a little bit against the grain, but I'm going to go with David Andrews at the center position. Anytime you have that solid veteran team captain that's directing traffic in the middle of that offensive line, protecting the quarterback, allowing him to get into position, knowing exactly how to call the game, make the snap and give him the opportunity to protect Mac Jones. That's something that is so important. You can point to the uh, tight ends. You can point to Hunter Henry having a big season and he is having a big season. He's become his biggest red zone threat without question. And those two are developing a really, really good relationship. You can look at Kendrick Bourne and the electrifying way he's playing. And especially the last couple of games uh, and the things that he's been able to do. These are all big moments. Jacoby Myers being a yards eater out there in the field. He may not be lighting up the touchdown uh, column in the stat sheet, but nine 98 yards receiving against the Tennessee Titans last Sunday is truly a remarkable feat. So these guys are all making contributions. Trent Brown, obviously a big component of that offensive line. Michael Wainu is, you know, kind of working his way back into the fold. Shaq Mason, Isaiah Wynn, they all play a major role. But to me, it all begins with the team captain under center. He dictates how that team is going to be able to move. And even, you know, clogging, uh, you know, the middle, uh, being able to clear room for the running lanes, it all starts with David Andrews. So I look at him as the key component in max success right now, but really again, and I'm going to go Belichickian on you, Tanya. I knew I you were going to. That's why I tried but to stop it. It is, it is a team effort, but if I had to pick one sole guy that I'm looking at as being the primary reason, I'm probably going to go with David. I definitely, I think it's a great answer because you even see the leadership and the respect and the camaraderie that David Andrews uh, you know, really brings on the field yeah. every week. He's at the center of everything, whether it is they're at the line of scrimmage and they're talking mm-hmm. it out and they're in the huddle and you can see his leadership there. You can see it when they're celebrating, like how many of those players really turn to him as a leader. And you, we, when he's mic'd up, there's been a couple of times we've heard some of the stuff he's saying on the sidelines. He's just a good right. energy guy to be around and to be one of the best players at the position in the league is such a huge deal for a young mm-hmm. quarterback. I, my pick would have been, been Trent Brown um, purely because the turnaround I saw that the change I saw in Mac once Trent was yeah. back, it was a really big difference. You see how he started. It's basically been since that Browns game that mm-hmm. we've seen Mac sort of elevate from really like just slow going rookie game manager stuff. Um, Absolutely. To, 
okay, now we're starting to see where this guy can elevate himself when he has that little extra mm-hmm. bit of time in the pocket, feels a right. little more comfortable to roll out a little bit. So I've, I feel like that's been this underrated part of what's helped mm-hmm. Mac get to the next level. And he's going to, he's, he's going to keep leveling up for the next few years. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a slow process. I'm not looking for him to uh, turn it just, just like anyone else. Um, Josh Allen, all anybody who's had that like sophomore year bump, I expect mm-hmm. to see it with Mac, but I do see these little things week to week, but that jump in against Cleveland really seemed to coincide with yeah. Trent Brown coming back in. So I agree the offensive line talking about a rookie, right? So it only makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And I completely uh, see your point on Trent Brown probably would have been my one, a choice uh, if I'm being honest, because uh, I always think all the line when it comes to protecting the quarterback, giving them the time that they need to make plays, but also clearing the lanes for the running game. And that's been such a big part of having Trent Brown back, having that, that outside and the tackle position be able to be sealed off between he on the right side and Isaiah Wynn on the left, that facilitates the run. They can use the run to open up play action. So, so much is included in being stout on the offensive line and the Patriots have found that combination and you're seeing the great results in Mac Jones and even the running game as a result. Yeah. It's a great point about the running game. Cause that, that's also we've seen year, I'm sorry, sorry, week to week sort mm-hmm. of continue to, it was, they didn't have their best week against the Titans, but prior right. to that, was really just ramping up week to week. And so that is a great point. Um, moving to the other side of the ball, uh, we the Patriots defense is outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. I said earlier on a, on a podcast with my friend Jarrett, I said, you know, the big thing, the other thing that I, the caveat I always put with getting to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback is you have to have an elite defense. And I, I think I'm almost positive I talked about it on, on Locked On as well. Elite. We did. One, two, three, the top of the league, elite. And then that that defense has to be elite sort of in comparison to defenses over the like few years, right? Like they just have to be really good. Jets, Steelers, we talked about it. Didn't see that coming with this unit. I knew they were going to have a good defense. The Patriots always have a good defense. Even when they don't have a good defense on paper, they have a good defense. You know, whether they are just, they're doing the like, let everybody get as many yards as they want between the twenties and stopping them in the red zone, whatever they're doing, they are always a good solid unit by the end of the year. Didn't Mm -hmm. see them being maybe the best defense in the league at this point. They are. However, since we are trying to actually uh, see how the rest of the season can play out and what their chances really are in the playoffs, I want to know about maybe their weaknesses. Do you have any concerns at this point about the Patriots run defense and their interior of that defensive line that's been struggling a little bit to stop the run. Well, giving up 270 yards on the ground to a team that was missing its top rusher and Derrick Henry on Sunday is a little bit of a cause for concern. I mean, anybody would be. You look at what the Patriots had done even previously in the last couple of games, and they'd really started to shore that run defense up, and they started to be able to clog the middle a little bit. That interior of the defensive line was starting to work a little bit more as a cohesive unit. Sunday was a little bit of an anomaly, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One, it was schemed very well by you know Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee coaching staff. They are designed to run the ball. Even without Derrick Henry, they knew that guys like Dontrell Hilliard and Dante Foreman could get the ball uh, the way they needed to and be able to make and break for certain runs. So Tennessee did a great job of scheming, and they knew the type of defense and the type of scheme that Bill Belichick and his coaching staff was going to throw at them. The other reason 
and I think this is a little bit more prominent, Tanya, is Christian Barmore was ailing with a little bit of a knee injury. He was listed as questionable for this game. He had missed Thursday's practice. He uh, had been limited in his uh, practice participation earlier in the week. Didn't seem to quite get that same push off of the block that he normally gets. Christian is such a big part of what this team is doing, not just getting after the passer, because he's really become a tremendous pass rush tandem alongside Matt Judon, but he's also facilitating the run defense, allowing the guys on the edge to be able to get after the quarterback instead of having to contribute in setting and trying to stop the run. They can ask their edge defenders to be the true edge defenders and pass rushers at that point. So if Christian is not 100%, it's going to limit that. So long-term, I'm not really too concerned about the Patriots' ability to stop the run because I think the personnel is there. But while Christian is ailing or if he, you know, forbid gets any worse it could be a situation that i would definitely closely monitor but new england's run defense i think will be short up i think devon godchow had a very good game on sunday he was one of the big reasons why uh tennessee didn't break for more yardage especially in the second half when the patriots settled down and looked a little bit better lawrence guy had a subpar game on sunday so did uh, carl davis you know those guys are going to be back they'll be back to where they need to be uh, the run defense right now is not what concerns me overly about this defense. If there's one area that I think could be had, it's the intermediate part of the field, the middle part of the field. Teams are able to, uh, you know, depend, uh, you know, they, they're able to uh, defend the short passing game pretty well. Patriots are adept at that. Uh, they're actually defending the long, uh, you know, pretty well uh, as well. And I was worried about the, uh, the secondary, the outside corner. Uh, Jalen Mills has really done a nice job of uh, settling into that role. Where the Patriots can be had is out of play action. And that, to me, is something that I know Bill Belichick and his team will be working on, something that I know Josh Allen and the Bills are going to try to target this Monday night. Yeah, the, that's a weakness for a lot of defenses yeah. because it's just the the it, depending on what base defense you're running and where the coverages are at, it's just by nature the area you're going to be the weakest. I mm-hmm. do, I mean, the interior, the the problem, the thing that worried me, and maybe I'm overreacting, is that they had to allow the run game to get going because they knew they could shut down Ryan Tannehill, right? Like mm-hmm. they knew he didn't have his receivers. They knew he was limited um, as a hurt team. So they just were like, we're just going to shut him down and make sure Ryan Tannehill can't do anything. And we'll just let them run the ball. Like, we're just going to see what they can do with it. And like, we know at the end of the day, they're going to have to be able to pass to beat us. And the result was that they really ran. Like, I'm not sure Belichick really wanted to see that kind of performance on the ground. So what happens when you get a team that has that run threat or maybe not even that much of a run threat, just somebody who happens to be able to take up the mantle that day and they can all, they, they aren't missing their receivers and they do have a more explosive passing offense. You have to have everything coming together. And I trust the linebackers at this point, a little more than I trust the interior of the defensive line. That's, right. I mean, I do think a linebacker core can get itself together. I mean, of course, Christian Barmore, but he's still a kid. You know, right. so at the end of the day, like you're, you, the linebackers are veterans who the team's going to have to lean on. And I do think that that because of the history of Bill Belichick and his ability to handle that unit with such effectiveness, I'm a little less worried than uh, the, how that that area of the defensive line is going to hold mm-hmm. up right. against a team that has a passing and rushing threat. And now there luckily there's not that many of them in the AFC right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah. you know, you look around and it's like, yeah, uh, 
Lamar can run and pass, but at the end of the day, that's one player, you know, so it's a little bit easier to deal with. It's just one of those years where I think the rest of the AFC is doing them a favor by Mm -hmm. not being the types of teams they have to worry about in the past. This would have been a defense. I don't think, I think this defense this year going against the chiefs offense two years ago, probably can't hang, but you know, we are in 2021. So you've, you've soothed my fears somewhat, especially considering (laughs) They will get, uh, hopefully get a healthier Christian Barmore going forward. Right. Um, that kind of leads me into this. This team is, a, again, a classic Bill Belichick Patriots team with a lot of guys doing their jobs, which isn't always mm-hmm. flashy, isn't always sparkly. We're not always talking about it. They do have the JC Jacksons and the Matt Judons that are standing out. Kendrick Bourne's really made some huge strides over the last few weeks. He's starting to stand out, not even just to on the, with the eye test, but on the stat sheet. Um, so there's some guys people are talking about who is a player on this team on any side of the ball that people are not talking enough about that is crucial to how they've been playing and how they're going to have to continue to play to keep this momentum going that people just aren't talking enough about. Uh, right now, I would say, uh, there's a couple of them, uh, right uh, the one I would probably choose over the other, that would be the fullback position right now in Jakob Johnson. I think he has oh, been wow. phenomenal as a blocker, as an option in the run game. He has been such a key point, especially on goal line stands and especially in short yardage, uh, situational football. He's really made a huge difference. Uh, really, I think grown by leaps and bounds from last year and even the previous year, James Devlin was so beloved in this uh, yeah. region simply because he was able to play the fullback position so well. And he was a little bit more of an offensive threat than Jakob has been. Jakob has not always gone to as that offensive threat, but we saw a couple of games ago, he's able to break for yardage when he gets in the open field and you have to rely on him. So I think Jakob has done a great job this year not just in being able to be a decoy on offense or things of that nature, or being able to set the tone out of the backfield, but his inline blocking, his blocking at the goal line has been tremendous and really has helped to spring guys forward like Damian Harris, like Ramondre Stevenson. Anytime you see those guys break for big yardage, Jakob Johnson is in on those plays and that's not by happenstance. That's by design. He's been a tremendous um, addition uh, to this uh, uh, offense. So I think he's probably the unsung hero. Maybe the guy that doesn't necessarily get all the headlines in the world, but he's been a very, very good player and solid player for them. I just have to say, I love that because it is one I hadn't even thought of. And it makes so much sense. Like he's, I have, there, there's been so many times where like, ah, oh, yeah, Jakob, there we go. Like, you know, you're just getting excited <laughs> about what he's doing, true. but you forget about all the other things that and the reasons that position is utilized by play by coaches like yeah. Belichick, like Kyle Shanahan. And it's for all the reasons that you said, it's in the blocking game. It's in the run game. It's in the pass game. Like this is a guy that affects a lot. And um, again, with a rookie quarterback, you want to be dynamic. You want to have these little you know, you've got like Nikhil Harry blocking, you've got Jakob in there, you've got all these mm-hmm. little things going on. They're using Michael Wenwu in interesting ways, you know? So I, I like yeah. that you're thinking about that because I do think when you go think about the playoffs going forward, who are the types of players that make the difference between, you know, just falling flat and having a little of that extra, that sneak card in your pocket. And he's that right. type of guy. 
Absolutely, without any question. And again, as the weather starts to get colder up here in New England, we're already seeing it. Temperatures are dropping by the day, by the you know week. And once that does happen, you're going to see the Patriots go to the run game a little bit more. And who better to have than a full black to be able to block for those runners and be able to have them spring for big yardage. So again, uh, uh, you know, I do, I look for Jakob and an honorable mention on that to Carl Douglas at the nose tackle as well, the backup position. He's the fourth man in that rotation. Doesn't get a whole lot of headlines, but what he does, especially at the nose tackle and being able to step up, stuff the run that, that gap interior defensive lineman that the Patriots really love to employ Davis beat out some pretty good competition uh, in um, in training camp to be able to earn a spot on this roster. And, you know, he's done a tremendous job as well. He's always a guy that's right around that area. Struggled a little bit on uh, Sunday. Not going to, you know, uh, deny that. But up until then, I think he has been one of their more unsung heroes on defense. Bet Online has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. My, you know, the first player that comes to mind for me is Adrian Phillips, just mm. because I feel like I know that's you and I, we've been on this train since the Chargers days, <laughs> uh, but he actually is just a super just highly graded player on PFF. He's just been, been doing his job really effectively. The safety position on the Patriots isn't always the most flashy in the regular season, but it does end up becoming really important in the playoffs, the way they utilize safeties against tight right. ends and things like that. Um, if they do, when they do drop back into cover two things, things that are really important to matchup issues in the playoffs, the Patriots are very good and they, they're always very smart with their safeties. And without Patrick Chung, um, there was that sort of glaring there that, that's their, that was their paid, their playoff guy. You know, they would like let Pat Chung loose, you know, and obviously Adrian Phillips is kind of a different kind of player, but really still very important in the position. So, um, that's someone who comes to mind for me as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, definitely. I, uh, I have to, I have to remember to give my prop to Jakob. So, so true. Um, <laughs> plus he's just cool as hell, you know, just super cool. Um, coming up. The schedule with five games left on the season, they've got Bills, Colts, Bills, Jags, Dolphins. So at this point, there, you know, a lot of people are thinking the Patriots could end up fin finishing this season 12 and five. That means they've got one more loss to go. Mm -hmm. Highly possible, truly hard to like imagine, you know, when you say it out loud that they could win the lot, like oh, 10 of their last 11 games. That's crazy. You know, it's, it's crazy to think, but possible considering their schedule. Um, I am always terrified of the Dolphins in week 18 or you see week 17. The idea of them playing the Dolphins in week 18 is just like, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like that it's in Miami. I don't like any of it. Freaks me out. But realistically, they should win that. Uh, what of, which of those games do you see as, uh, as the most likely to give the Patriots 
trouble. Um, I'm assuming it really comes down to the game in Buffalo and the game against the Colts. Yeah, I mean, both of those games are on the road. There's no question about it. I mean, I'm looking at Monday night's game against the Buffalo Bills as not only the toughest game that Mac Jones has played to date, but also the toughest challenge that the Patriots, I think, have faced to date. And they face some good teams. I mean, there's no question about it. The defending Super Bowl champions, that was a big game, one of the bigger games on the schedule, arguably the most anticipated regular season game in recent memory. We talked about it a lot on Locked On Patriots. That was a huge game for the Patriots, took it to the champs, almost came away with a victory. Dallas was another big game. Game, you know, for them at, here at uh, Gillette, uh, they went on the road, took on uh, the Los Angeles Chargers when everyone was starting to think that maybe this team was just going to kind of even out and maybe finish with a 500, maybe even sub 500 record. And they started to kickstart things into gear and show what they could do and get a quality win on the road. But this Buffalo team right now is going to be hungry. They're going to be ready. They believed that they were going to have a stranglehold on this AFC East division this year. And it's not working out quite like that. The Patriots are knocking on the door. And, you know, you can almost hear the Imperial March being played as Bill Belichick <laughs> walks through the doors of Highmark Stadium on Monday night. It's going to be very highly anticipated. It's going to be a fun one to watch. So I'm looking at that game. If they can come away with a victory on Monday, it'll be extremely impressive. But I caution Patriots fans to be temperate in their expectations because the Buffalo Bills are still very good on both sides of the ball. I know they're missing Tredavious White. That's a big part of their defense, but they can still play up front. They still have guys in the secondary that can make plays. And Josh Allen and that offense can still put points on the board, especially in Orchard Park. Indy's going to be another tough one. It's on the road. It's in a hostile environment. Carson Wentz is playing at a high level. That defense is playing excellent. Jonathan Taylor is arguably one of the best runners in the league right now. So I look at those two games as real benchmarks for the New England Patriots. If they come away, with, with a victory in either one of those or both, this team is the team you do not want to face in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. If they win both those games, and, I mean, then there's a potential they finish the season 13-4. and four. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Um, <laughs> and they're probably the one seed at that point because I do think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to falter again before the season is over purely because of, you know, injury issues and just getting things back on track. I mean, if the Patriots end up with a with a – with a buy and the one seed that's that's insane i can't my brain yep. can't comprehend the idea that bill belichick <laughs> could get to the that point with a rookie sure. quarterback i mean just put him in the hall of fame yesterday but i completely agree the next two games are really like is this team a potential a real potential threat to make a super bowl or is this just a really impressive team that could give you a little trouble in the earlier rounds of the playoffs? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a difference that maybe we're going to see based on how they play in Buffalo and Indy. I completely agree. All right. We got the, we got the real juicy stuff out of the way. There you go. There's your Patriot stuff, everybody. We're, we've broken it down. However, now it's time to have a little fun. And I do want to take the fun to uh, expand it to the rest of the NFL talk a little bit about what else is going on around the league. So we are going to play a, a, a version of my favorite game, This or That. Shall we? This or That NFL 2021 edition. And so I'm going to give you a, a This or That situation, and you're going, to, you're going to have to take a side, a hard stance on all questions. Those are the rules. You may not falter. You may take a moment to consider your choices. However, you have to give me an answer one way or the other. Okay. I shall do my best. Are you prepared? I am prepared. Great. All right. So um, the first one is which resurgent unit 
is more likely to hold up for the rest of the season, the Chiefs defense or the 49ers offense, both resurging right now. Which one do you think has the stuff to the staying power for the rest of the season? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my good buddy, Brian Snow, is going to be very upset with me for saying this. I'm going to go with the Chiefs defense. Uh, I think Steve Spagnuolo has turned the corner and, you know, getting, you know, guys like, you know, Frank Clark back and then getting that opportunity for this defense to start making plays, getting opportunities up front, giving the secondary a chance to be able to get into position and that front seven coming into its own. I think is such a big part of why the Chiefs are looking like the defending AFC champs once again. And they're really surging right now. Uh, but for the Patriots, you may consider them to be the hottest team in the in the AFC right now, along with the Indianapolis Colts, probably those three in the mix. So um, San Francisco is doing some great things. And I'm really happy to see Jimmy, uh, you know, playing well. I'm really happy to see that running game doing well there and Kyle Shanahan continues to be a master at being able to get the, the majority of uh, the potential out of that uh, uh, San Francisco offense. But uh, right now I'm going to go with Kansas city because they've been there before uh, they're seasoned. Not that the 49ers are not, I know they were within an eyelash of winning a super bowl a couple of years ago, but there's different components on that team right now. I think uh, at this point uh, because of coaching and because of the personnel and the veterans they have, I give the edge to this, uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I like it. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I don't, when, when you see the Chiefs starting to get it together at this point in the season, hard to doubt it. It's just hard yeah. to doubt it. So I'm with you on that. All right, let's take it. So there are three starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now that played at Alabama. Obviously, one of them is rolling his way through New England, Mac Jones. Uh, Jalen Hurts is in Philadelphia and Tua is in Miami. So uh, we'll set Mac aside. I'm going to ask you to pick a crimson side and tell me in the, in the next three years, for the next three years, who would you rather have as your starting quarterback, Tua Tonga-Valoa or Jalen Hurts? I'm going to go with Jalen on this one. And the reason why I'm going on Jalen on this one is because I think he's starting to show that he is a very good fit for the way the Philadelphia Eagles want to play offense. And I like the way that Jalen has been able to navigate through some pretty difficult times early on this season and really emerge as that type of dual threat quarterback. And look, that's not necessarily a knock to Tua. I think Tua is uh, unfairly targeted sometimes and maybe even given a little bit uh, you know, more guff than he deserves. But I'm not sure necessarily if he's fitting the long-term solution at quarterback for Miami. He's looking the part again the last couple of weeks with, you know, Miami starting to play better. They're looking more like the team we thought they would be. They sputtered early on, and I know Tua had his difficulties, and he's had his injury problems. Uh, but uh, I still think that because of the fit in his system, I take Jalen Hurts at this point. I also agree. I don't recall agreeing with you so much last time, but I also agree. I really like the athlete and the quarterback that Jalen Hurts is. Uh, the Eagles are a notoriously difficult team to play for when you're trying to figure mm -hmm. out if who you are as quarterback and uh, with a new head coach and everything else. Like I just, I see a lot of potential there and I like what they, I hear about him and his attitude in the locker room and just the way he's handled like a lot of adversity and Tua has handled just as much, if not more adversity, both these guys right. have been put in really tough situations, but again, the upside on Jalen, I agree is probably a little bit higher, maybe significantly higher. Uh, all right, let's go to it. Uh, most likely to bounce back from adversity this season, the Rams 
or the Titans? Which team do you see? This is, these are two struggling teams going through some stuff for different reasons. Which team do you see bouncing back and making a real, uh, a real problem for their conference? I know you've got a lot of fans in the LA area being there right now. I'm not going to make them happy right now. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I saw a fight. I saw a fight in this Tennessee Titans team on Sunday and look 36 to 13 on paper, just looking at it looks like a blowout, but I can tell you it wasn't a blowout. It was not that game and looking at at what the Tennessee Titans did for a one half of football really keeping themselves in it when they didn't have Julio Jones they didn't have Derrick Henry Ryan Tannehill well you know had nobody to throw to AJ Brown was out of the game they were missing key components on defense this was a team that was decimated by injury and yet they still made things interesting against one of the top teams in the AFC they're extremely well coached they're very well schemed a lot of kudos to Mike Rabel and his staff for being able to keep this together and keep these guys in games when they start getting healthier This is going to be a team that, again, no one wants to face if they're hanging around in the playoff race and they get a chance to get healthy and get some of these teams. You might see a different type of Tennessee Titans team heading into the playoffs. So uh, right now, I would say the Titans have the uh, the more the ability to bounce back. I know. On paper, the Rams are, you know, probably the more talented from top to bottom. They certainly have the huge names, a lot of great players, but. I'm still waiting to see that cohesion. And I'm still waiting to see the Matt Stafford of Detroit that we were promised. Well, I am appalled. I am shocked and appalled. I completely get it. I really respect the Titans. I respect what they did. And I, I could, I, there's nothing I can say. I disagree with what you, what you just said. I just, I do think that there is a ceiling on that team, even if they do get a little healthier and, uh, and I think that they've come close to meeting that ceiling. We have not seen the ceiling on the Rams at this point. So have they shown the same level of consistency? No, but what they can unleash if they do get that cohesion together, if Matt Stafford is able to find his rhythm, I think a lot of the issues with Matt Stafford right now are some of the same issues that used to happen when Jared Goff would get into funks with Sean McVay. He doesn't adjust his, uh, he over adjusts his play calling. He gets nervous, he gets skittish, and he pulls back on the stuff that these guys are good at. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I, and I know he's going to fix that. He's too smart. He's too brilliant of a play caller to not. Um, and then I look at how well Jalen Ramsey's playing. I look at the fact that they still have Aaron Donald, one of the great defensive players of our time. And there is just a lot there. And yes. they are in a much easier conference at this point to ensure that they, they keep their playoff spot and that they're able to really, I mean, they're, they are not really dealing with a ton. They're not going to win their division because the Cardinals at this point seem to be in the lead for that. However, there's a, there's a little less competition for those, uh, those spots in the NFC right now. I'm pretty sure the Falcons are like right in the, in the hunt in the NFC that, that shows you where they're at. So I'm just going to throw that out there in defense of my LA people, but I do appreciate That's it. it. See, variety is the spice of life. Man. Exactly. Yeah. Good points. Very good valid points. You see more uh, of LA right. than I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. So, oh, what's that? I got a couple more here. I can't give you all of them, but I'm going to pick. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to make it a hard one. All right. We're redrafting the 2021 draft and you have the number one pick. Okay. You can't pick Mac Jones because the Patriots already picked Mac Jones. We've already talked a ton about Mac Jones. We don't need to talk more about Mac Jones. Now, now let, I want the conditions to be clear. You have a playoff contending team, much like the Patriots, much like a chiefs team, something somebody who, you know, they're going to good coaching, good organization that can make the playoffs. 
Do you stay with Trevor Lawrence as your number one overall pick 100% or do you take your shot with Justin Fields? That's a tough one. Knowing now what we know now, um, I'm going with Fields. And I know a lot of people are probably going to be a little bit surprised by that. I don't think we've seen the ceiling for Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think that his struggles or any type of issues that he's had this year, throwing the football or settling into his new team is indicative of the type of quarterback he's going to become down the line. I still think there's a ton of talent there. I still think there is a lot of pedigree and he still will, in my opinion, be a very good quarterback in this league. But Fields is the type of dynamic talent that you're seeing flashes of when he'll make a throw or he'll He'll be able to extend plays with his legs in the right system with the right coaching. Justin Fields will be a top quarterback in this league for many years to come. So if I'm starting over and we're taking Mac off the table, obviously, mm -hmm. of course, um, we're taking him off I'm, the table. I'm going to go fields on this one, but again, that's not necessarily a knock to Trevor Lawrence. Do I don't think you could go wrong with just my preference would be fields at this point because of the upside and the dual threat capability. Yeah. I mean, his big time throws this season and just some of the stuff that he's been doing on a, on a really struggling team with mm -hmm. a coach that's apparently getting fired behind the scenes and then unfired in week to week. And the kind of adversity he's dealt with injury stuff, right. the things that he's dealt with and still shown flashes of real brilliance. And then mm -hmm. you look at how similar he is to the quarterbacks that are so successful in the league right now, the young quarterbacks, the Lamar Jackson's, the Kyler Murray's, the, the Justin Herbert's, the guys who are just there, that next level athleticism. Um, right. uh, Trevor Lawrence is actually a much better athlete than, you know, he's, he's, oh, not, yeah. he's not, he's not a statue. Um, and he's, he's got some stuff going. And I, I completely agree. Um, you can't go wrong with the guy, but there's that little extra special flash. And we may be being blinded by that special flash you know just as we were mm -hmm. i wanted them to draw i wanted the patriots to draft justin fields over mac uh mm -hmm. and i'm you know we will see time will tell we are still <laughs> very early in both of these men's careers but so right. far you know the the steady boring hand of mac jones has done the patriots very well and i am more than happy to be have been you know wrong about that so we will see but i i i tend to agree, agree with you as well and whether we are prisoners of the flash in the moment I don't care. I, uh, it's what I'm able to see at this moment. I can't project this kind of stuff onto Trevor Lawrence that we just simply haven't seen quite yet. Right. Yeah. All right. Finally, this is the last one that I'm going to let go, but I'm not going to make it easy. If you thought the last one was hard, just wait. Actually, I don't think this is going to be as hard as, as I'm making it sound because I know exactly what mine would be, but you can pick one. Only one of these guys can get the award. You give coach of the year to Bill Belichick, or do you give offensive rookie of the year to Mac Jones? Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I love the season that Mac is having, and I really, really hope the kid wins it because I think he's earned it, and I think he's done a tremendous job. But how can you not give coach of the year to Bill Belichick right now? I mean, you're talking one of the great coaching performances from the greatest coach to ever stalk the sidelines. And I don't say that with any hesitation. Bill Belichick is unquestionably the best. Look, this guy set the bar very high in 2001, took a team that no one believed was going to be a Super Bowl contender, took them to the playoffs, took them to a Super Bowl. And he's been doing amazing things ever since. 2007 leads this team to an undefeated season. I understand the Giants you know ruined that but I don't think there's words described or created 
uh, to um, talk about the game of football that really adequately say how difficult it is to get a team through a season undefeated and into the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick did that. And he did it, obviously, with great coaching staff at Tom Brady. There's no question about that. Those are huge, huge factors. And he wouldn't have been able to do it without it. But at the same time, to not give him his just due for those types of seasons is truly remarkable. I think Bill did a great job last year coaching this team at 7-9 with all of the upheaval and all of the difficulties that they had. Lost Cam early in the season. To COVID, Cam it was not the same player when he came back, and still they were able to get a good amount of and keep this team in relatively in uh, uh, in relevance. But uh, the job that he's done this year, not just as a coach, but as an executive, and taking the players that he needed to get in the off season and putting them into a system where he knew they could succeed. Obviously, the choice of Mac Jones was something that was a little bit of good fortune it was a little bit of playing game well and it was a little bit of scouting and knowing that he was the perfect guy for this uh this team but that was some happenstance there as well going out and getting some of the guys he got in free agency whether it be Matt Judon whether it be Hunter Henry Kendrick Bourne he just seems to be pressing all the right buttons this year and now what he's doing is he's giving himself Bill the GM has given Bill the coach the tools that he needed to be able to succeed and he's doing a tremendous job with that with uh, with it this year. The team looks much better on offense week to week. On defense, they continue to be stifling. And again, I think uh, right up there with the great coaching jobs that he's ever done, maybe the best he's ever done in New England. And that's saying something when you look at the last twenty years and the resume that he's created. So much as I love Mac, I'm giving it to Bill at this point. And honestly, it's probably not close. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, you know, I agree. I don't have to tell my listeners. know I agree. The viewers know I agree. You knew I agree before I even said it. Uh, this is, uh, if Bill Belichick does not win coach of the year this year, cancel the award. It's useless. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. He's, all, he's already been, I mean, the fact that he only has the couple that he does have is so silly. Uh, but this is the year I don't want to see I don't want to see anyone else up there. I don't want to see Cliff Kingsbury. I don't want to see any of these dudes just because it, I don't want to see <laughs> Matt LaFleur. No, none of it. None of it. This is Coach Belichick's award. It should be named after him and it right. should exist in perpetuity as the Belichick Award. And I completely agree. You lose the GOAT and put together this kind of team in such a short amount of time and turn around this way, how could you not say it's one of his great coaching performances? I think you probably do at this point. You have to go back to 2001 to really right. find a comparative uh, performance. And the 2001 um, performance is, is interesting in its own way, less uh, less dominant, but equally, mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of hard decisions to be made that year as well. A lot of funky little coaching things. Belichick started showing who he was as a person who understood um, the rules of the league, perhaps better than the league itself sometimes. Right. And, um, and the way he handled the quarterback situation in the playoffs with Bledsoe and Brady, the whole thing was really a mm. masterpiece, but then you jump forward 20 years and we're here and you're, you're right. There's an argument to be made for that. Still a few games left to go. I really hope it goes their way, but regardless, I think the the case has already been made. So yeah. good. Agreed. You heard it here <laughs> first folks, not only should Bill Belichick win it, but if he doesn't, I'm, I'm starting a petition. I'm starting one of those online, like a site, get 500,000 uh, signatures and then send it to your like local Senator. I don't care. I'm done. I'm over it. Done with this crap. I don't want to see anyone else's name on the ballot. I don't even want it. 
Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Mike. I hope that this was a you know, nice little like, you know, back end reprieve to, to our heavy Patriots talk. We had some fun, got you thinking about some other stuff. I gotta be honest, after talking to you, I feel even better <laughs> about Monday night football. I'm really excited. I'm excited for Monday night football this week. This is going to be a big one. It's going to be, I'm just as excited for this game as I feel I was for that uh, Bucks game, if not more, obviously, because there's a little less existential dread. So. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a little more on the line. You know, that game was, you know, early in the season, not a whole lot. You know, if it wasn't a make or break game, this is really, I think, a make or break game for the New England Patriots. Can they prove that they can get a stranglehold and take that division back from Buffalo? We'll see. Uh, it's going to be a fun one and it's going to be a tough one up in Orchard Park. All right. Before you go, tell my listeners, the almost shameless nation, where they can find you and uh, where they can listen to you. Well, again, Tanya, thank you for your hospitality and hosting me today. Always my honor to be a guest here on the Almost Shameless podcast. As for me, you can find me on the Bird app at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. You can interact with me there uh, all the time. You'll always find me making, you know, quips about the New England Patriots, and you'll probably find some pop culture stuff re referenced in there as well. A lot of Godfather gift files. I apologize for that in advance, but... It's a part of who I am. Uh, in terms of my written work, you can always catch that on Patriot Maven of Sports Illustrated at Patriot Maven SI. And also each and every day on the Locked On Patriots podcast, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Patriots. Locked On Patriots is if you want to get your stuff every single day, like you want to get your updates, you're just checking in, you got to pop in and know what was said at the press conferences, what's going on with the practices, the little minutiae, the stuff for the real hardcore fans. It's that, and it's also shooting the stuff and really getting like the fun stuff and the fun conversation. There's not a lot of podcasts that do both and certainly not every single day. This is something that you absolutely have to just subscribe to if you are a long time, just hardcore Patriots fan. Like you should, if you're not already subscribed to this, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's a, it's absolutely one of the best things you can do. It's sort of like, we used to, we used to read the newspaper. Now you listen to Locked On. Okay, people get it together. <laughs> go subscribe. Thank you again for joining me, Mike. I am a hundred percent sure I will be talking to you very soon, but in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your week. And uh, we'll, we'll be chatting after, we'll be chatting after Patriots bills. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Myself as well, Tanya. Thanks again. Thanks for so much for having me today. You got it. <laughs>